Hi family, welcome to the PIWC Accra podcast, where we are inspired, challenged and equipped to possess our spheres of influence with principles and values from the word of God, preached and taught powerfully by anointed and seasoned men and women of God. We believe strongly that this word will bless your life, so do not keep it to yourself, share it with someone you know needs to hear it. On today's episode of the podcast, we are certain that you'd be blessed even as you receive the ministration of God's word with open hearts. Now family, let's get into the word of God. It leaves the 99 And I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it But still you gave yourself away Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God Before I spoke a word you were singing over me You've been so, so kind to me And before I took breath You were breathing over me yeah. You've been so, so kind to me. Oh, oh the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found. It leaves the 99. And I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it Still you gave yourself to me Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God Yeah When I was your foe Still your love fought for me Yeah you have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You paid it all. Yeah. And you have been so, so kind to me. Oh, oh the overwhelming, never ending. Reckless love of God Oh, it chases me down And it fights till I'm found It leaves the 99 And I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it 
Till you gave yourself away There's no shadow he won't light up, mountain he won't climb up, coming out. There's no wall he won't kick down, lie he won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow he won't light up, mountain he won't climb up, coming after me. Oh. possible for somebody to be here today that have walked through this, have just heard the presence and the power of God and still has that place in your life where you still feel like there might be that place of doubt. Can you turn to somebody sitting next to you right now and you just say to them, we are marked people. Would you say that? We are marked people. A little bit louder than that. That was pretty casual. We are marked people. We are marked people. Yes, the world has marked us, but the markings of Jesus are greater than the markings of the world. We have been marked. We have been scarred. Some of you carry around a terrible stain. But I tell you what, the markings of God are greater than any of the markings of this world. We are people of the cross. And what that means is, is that God knows everything about us and sees us and loves us. We are people of the resurrection. 
people of the resurrection. And what the people of the resurrection means is that death does not define us. Life does. Life does. Would you turn to somebody one more time and say, we are marked people. Back when I was in high school, secondary school, I loved science classes. Because in science classes, you got to do experiments. In every other class, you had to take notes, and then tests came, and you had to regurgitate the test. But in science classes, you got to put on the goggles, and you got to do experiments. How many can relate to that? I remember one day, we were taking the sodium over here, and we were taking the, the nitrogen or nitrate. I'm not a chemist, so I'm just putting things out there. And I remember we mixed them together, and we would take these two different elements, and we would take those elements, and we would mix them together, and we would you take this element, and you would take this element, and when you would bring it together, an element that would form, but it would form only because of the other two elements. Are you hearing me? That was powerful. Take a little bit of this, take a little bit of this, and out came this foaming volcano. It was amazing. I want to talk to you today about the family. I want to talk to you today about the power of the family. I want to talk to you today about the laboratory of the family. Where you take a, a husband, you take a father, marked and scarred, but marked by Christ. And you take a mom and a mother who has been marked and scarred by life. And you bring them together inside a Christian home where a cord of three strands brings us together. And when you take the scarred and marked woman and the scarred and marked man, and you bring the peasants of Christ in there, God does something that is greater than anything that we can ever imagine. The family is God's building block of discipleship. If God wants to change Ghana, praise God for churches. But when God wants to change Ghana, he begins in the family. He begins in something much smaller than that. So turn in your Bibles right now to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want us to, to hear and smell and to know the heart of God for the family. Can somebody say that out loud right now? The heart of the family. The heart of God for the family. Some of you don't believe me in the power of the family. Judges chapter 2 verse 10 is probably one of the most devastating verses in all of Scripture. Judges follows Joshua. And you know that in the book of Joshua, Joshua is the book of the stories, right? It's the book of the stories of what our great God did. How about the walls of Jericho? It wasn't the military that brought down the walls of Jericho. It was the praise team that brought down the walls of Jericho. Walk around it seven times. Walk around it seven times. Walk around it seven days. And on the seventh day, we will blow what? We will blow the trumpet and what? The walls came down. What that says to me is, is that our supernatural God is greater than any physical building architecture that man can bring. And early in the book of Joshua, we begin to see this development, this development, this development of God doing things that man cannot describe. It was a generation of heroes. It was a generation of champions. It was a generation of stories being told about our great God. And after Joshua, we have the book of what? The book of Judges. Joshua was so amazing. The book of Judges was so amazingly negative. Judges chapter 2 verse 10, I can hardly say it to you. 
But it says this. It says, after that generation, the generation of what? After the generation of heroes, after the generation of champions, after those that did great things, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what God had done for Israel. Are you hearing me? You had a generation of heroes, a generation of champions, but the next generation did not follow in the ways of their fathers and mothers. There was another generation that grew up that knew neither God nor what he had done for Israel. How how can that happen? How can that happen? Just a couple quick lessons. Number one, Every individual, regardless of what home you come from, every individual has to embrace God on his own. But it does raise the question, doesn't it? What was missing inside those homes? What Was it an absentee warrior? Was it an absentee father? What, what, was it a father whose life was more alive outside the home than it was inside the home? Was there a dynamic in the home where the presence and and, and the reality of Christ was missing? Was it the possibility that dad was a pastor and and he spent all of his life inside the church and his children were, were spiritual orphans and they always got the leftovers of what God brought? I don't know, but it's a devastating verse. That the passion and the presence of God from one generation, that baton, was not passed to the next generation. So help us, God. So help us, God. Are you ready? In my country, here's what the statistics say. In my country, America, here's what they say. Among Christian children, Christian children, we're not talking pagan children. We're not talking children that, that, that their parents and their families do not know God. It's those that are at church on Sunday. You line 10 of them up. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. The statistics say this. That 7 out of 10 Christian kids will finish high school slash secondary school. And when they now have the choice, they will say goodbye to Jesus and they will say goodbye to the church. So help us, God, how does that happen? Three daughters, my youngest daughter just graduated from a Christian high school in our area. She was in a Bible class of 20 students, and the Bible teacher asked the question, and he said, how many of you have a regular dinner with your mom and dad? How many have a regular dinner with your mom and dad where you sit down and the food is served and you're looking your mom and dad in the face? Out of 20 students in the class, four people raised their hand and said, I have a regular dinner with my mom and dad. School is out. Come home from school. Open up the refrigerator. Grab some snacks. Grab something. Go upstairs. Turn on the social media. Pentecostal International Worship Center. In a family like that, who is doing the discipling? Is it the mom and dad that are doing the discipling? Or is it the social media that is doing the discipling? You answer the question. Can we pray before we get into our text today? Father, meet with us today. God, we believe the best years of the Ghanaian country, the best years of the Ghana church are in front of us and not behind us. 
God, we want to see an army of a next generation who love God, who are unstoppable in their faith. And God, for that to happen, we praise God for that church, for this church. But God, for that to happen, we need homes where warriors are being raised. We need homes, God, where, where God's voice is being heard. We need, we need homes, God, where moms and dads are fighting on their knees and fighting on their feet for the faith of their children. And so, God, I pray today, God, that we would hear your voice, that we would be encouraged, that we would walk away with the heart of a lion, the heart of a warrior, the heart of our God bursting inside of us. In your mighty name we pray, amen, amen. Turn to somebody and say, there's hope in the house today. There's hope in the house. There's hope in the house. There's hope in the house. The gospel is powerful because the gospel overcomes the hurt, right? So we started with some negative news, and now we're going to look at the power of a home, a gospel home, the power of a Jesus home, a power of a home where the presence and power of God is alive in that. You know Deuteronomy, context. For 40 years, the Israelites have been walking around doing what? Having funerals. And why are they having funerals? Because there was a generation that did not believe in God. And so God said, this generation, 40 years, you will walk around in the desert burying another generation, but I'm going to do something different in the next generation. So the book of Deuteronomy is a book of five sermons that Moses the preacher is preaching the power of God into them so that when they go into the promised land, they will be a people that are marked, marked by God. I'm going to look at verses 5 through 9, but uh, 4 through 9, but, but let's look at the context just real quickly. Let's begin in chapter 6, and I want you to hear some things. I want you to listen and read, listening for the heart of God. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that your children and their children after them May fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you might enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. The question, is God a God of the long term or the short term? Does God have a long vision or a short vision? Did you see what he said in there? If God were here today and he were to look at each of us, he would say this. What I see in you is generation after generation of generation of your lineage following after me. My heartbeat is not to just have one generation and finish. My heartbeat is that there would be three, four, five, ten, twenty generations of Christ followers that would come from each of you. I like that. See, so often, many of you, you're coming for the short term today. You're coming to hear something to help you in the middle of your fix right now. But we have a God that looks past the short term to the long term. And he says, what I see in you is I see grandkids and great-grandkids and great-great-great-grandkids that know me. Point number one. Point number two, he says this. It's not going to happen accidentally. It's not going to happen accidentally. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful to do what? Be careful to obey. You're not going to get to the end zone. You're not going to get to the finish line without a clear picture of where you need to go and what you need to do. 
So now, church, I, I want us to look at in the short minutes that we have five verses right now that I believe establish the, the markings, the distinctive of a gospel family. Who would like to have a gospel family in here right now? Maybe some of you did not come from a gospel family. Maybe some of you came from a home where it was anything but the gospel. Maybe some of you came from a very imperfect place. And let me just say this. Every home is an imperfect place. That's why we need the gospel. But some of you are here today that when you think about the family you came from, it is not a good story. When you think about the family you came from, you do not want to ever relive the dad that you had in the past family. And so what I want to do today, you remember we said hope. I want you to see God's hope for this family. A gospel family, a Jesus family, a lighthouse, a place where your children and the children that live around your children and the families that live next to you, a place that your home can ignite a movement just inside your home. So four distinctives. See if you can find them as we read these verses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. When it comes to God, there's not options. When it comes to God, we do not make him in our, in our image. When it comes to God, it's not a preference issue. God is establishing what? I am God, I am Lord, and there's only one of me. There's only one of me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the way, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Four distinctives and then one big application. Are you ready? Distinctive number one. If we're going to build a, a, a gospel home, some of you right now are, are not even married, but some of you want to be married. And as you think about that, that home that you want to establish, the first distinctive of a gospel home is what? Is that God reigns in that home. The distinctiveness of a godly home is that it is clearly established that God is the author of faith. God is the perfecter of faith, and God is the one who rules inside this home. How is it that seven out of ten kids in Christians' homes walk away from the faith? Somehow in that home, something did or did not happen for that child to miss the virus of godliness. And, and we don't blame the home because each child has a choice to make. But in the distinctive godly home, the reality of God is paramount in that house. As a pastor, you go into many homes. And I don't know if this is true in, in Ghana, but in America, we have a thing called a thermostat. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a temperature thermostat. At, and we go inside a home and we can turn that thermostat on. We can do it high for, for high air or high heat. And we can turn it down. As a pastor, when I go into homes, there's also a spiritual thermostat inside that home. When I go inside a home, you can, you can almost tell the reality of the presence of God in that house. When you have a dinner inside of a godly home, it's a different place. When you go inside of a godly home where the thermostat has a high God value, 
You sit down at the dinner table, and, and the primary thing at the dinner table is not the food, but it's one another around the table. And when you're in a godly home, there will be a time where you hold hands together. And in a godly home, you can tell that the habits have been shaped by God. So that when you hold hands to pray, you don't eat your food without talking to God first. You don't eat your food without thanking Him for the provision. You don't eat your food selfishly and put it on your plate and, and not wait for one another. You sit at the table and you hold hands. Can we pray to the Lord? And as you pray to the Lord, you're praying. And, and when I'm in one of those homes, it's very evident that God is on the throne in that home. And, and when you're inside a home, it's an amazing thing because you can watch the way the, the mother respects the father and the way the father respects the mother and, and the way the kids respect mom and dad. When dad asks you to pray inside that kind of home, what does everybody do? They bow their heads, they stick their hands out. Why? Because that's what a godly home does. Are you with me? This is an important message for the preacher today because I have three girls, 26, 22, and 19, and I want them to have the virus of God that dominates their life. I don't want them to have a weak strain. I don't want a weak strain of God. I want them to have the fully formed virus. I want it to be deep inside of them. I want it to be the kind of virus that has no solution to overcome. I want it to be the kind of virus that you can put a mask on, but you will get the virus from my girls. And so the question about my girls is not a question about my girls. It's a question about their father. Does their father know Jesus? Does their father live Jesus? Does their father cry Jesus? Do my children know the passion of my heart for the Lord? Because I have tears about my own life, not just Arsenal football but I have tears about the things that matter. Are you with me? Jesus is not for Sundays. Jesus is for 24-7. And where that's supposed to be birthed is inside our home. And it begins with a distinctive God. You walk inside the home and there's a Bible on the kitchen table. Why is there a Bible on the kitchen table? Because that family is dominated by the Christian scriptures. The Bible is on the kitchen table because when we sit down to do the work of eating, we eat the Word of God first before we eat the, the food. Are you with me? See, there's not multiple ways to get to God. John 14, 6 says what? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father, what? But through me. Why is that? The reason there's only one way to get to God is because our Savior Jesus is the only one that could die for the addiction that we have inside of us. The addiction that we have inside of us is worse, bigger than any pandemic you can ever imagine. The addiction of sin that we have inside of us can only be cured by what? The one great Savior. And so God is very clear in a gospel home, in a Jesus home, in a difference-making home, God is on the throne and the reality of sin and salvation and resurrection and hope is clearly seen by the parents of that home who are living in that and modeling that and pointing their kids to the answer of Jesus. Let us be reminded of something that is said already. Are we perfect people? No, we're not. We're profoundly imperfected. And our homes are profoundly imperfect. But there's the perfect one that's inside the imperfection. And that's where God is. So in a distinctive home, first and foremost, there's a distinctive God. Number two, did you see it? 
Love the Lord your God. It's a distinctive relationship. Our relationship with God is based upon love. And I, I love this morning, the worship has been all about that. Our sister that sang in front of us, do you remember that phrase? The reckless love of God. Not the tame love of God, but it was the reckless love of God. The reckless love of God that put him on the cross. That was the recklessness of it. That our God was willing and voluntarily to die for the imperfections of our life. So inside a, a, a gospel home, there's a, there's, there's a dynamic of love. It, it's not a dynamic of guilt. It's not a dynamic of shame. It's not a dynamic of ought to's. It's not a dynamic that you should. My wife did something early on as a mother of three daughters that, that was amazing. She told our girls this very simple illustration. She said, we, we want you to know that mom and dad are under the same law that you are. There's not two standards. It's okay for mom and dad to get upset, but it's not okay for you to get upset. Can we find that in the scriptures? Can we, can we find two referees in scripture, a referee for mom and dad and a, a referee for children? No, it's the same referee. And so my wife was brilliant at a young age. She said this to our kids. She said, our whole family is under the word of God. We're all submitted to the word of God. We're all under the love relationship of Christ to us. There's not a double standard. There's not a standard for mom and dad, and there's not a standard for the kids. We're all underneath the word of God. We all play by his rules. And when we play by his rules and when he defines where the field is, there's great freedom in that because you know when you're walking in the light and you know when you're walking outside the lines. And when you're walking outside the lines, we pull people back into that. A distinctive God, a distinctive relationship. And also, parents, did you see this? A distinctive responsibility. What do we mean by that? Mom and dad, your primary responsibility is not financial. If I'm speaking to men in America on this topic, most men would define their responsibility in their home is to be the breadwinner of the family. And that's part of it. But the primary responsibility, according to Deuteronomy 6, is to impress them upon your children. Our responsibility is to, be, is to model a relationship with Jesus Christ in such a way that my children will see the Lord in me and will say, I want to follow after Christ because of the impression that you're making in my life. I, I like to drive and I like to drive fast. And I have a lot of tickets because of that. And my rationalization is something along the lines of, I'm a man of God. I got a lot of places to go, and I got a short time to get there. One of my best friends in the town that I pastored in was the chief of police, so that was good for me. But I remember one day, my, my daughter was riding up in the front seat, and uh, she was my oldest daughter, and, and most of the time, the oldest child is the law keeper in the family. They're the ones that, that tow the line, and, and I was driving. I think the, the, the speed limit was 40, and I was doing a nice 58. 58 with it increasing, if you know what I mean. 
It wasn't stable at 58. It was on the way up. And she leans over and she says, Dad, the sign just said 40 and you're going 58. Out of the mouths of babes, right? Out of the mouths of babes. The way my wife handled that was this. Every $100 ticket you have to pay, you owe me 100 bucks. It's good to be married to a godly lady. Once she established that, I haven't had as many tickets. Impress them. Impress them. Model it. I have a, a, a mom. She was the daughter of a Southern Baptist preacher. And I remember as a kid, I, I'd come back to her room at 4, 5, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning, hoping to find a time when my mother wasn't sitting on the couch with the Bible open. My mother was a, a woman of the book. And I never could find her in her room. You're supposed to sleep in rooms. My mom didn't sleep in the room. The room was the place for the pillows on the bed. Her room was the place where she met with God. It's where she saw God. That's where she talked with God. That's where God talked with her. She impressed upon me what it means to follow after the Lord. Amen. And distinctiveness number four is a distinctive pattern. Did you get the pattern when you wake up and what? When you lie down, when you move outside your home, and when you come back inside your home, the, all of life becomes the laboratory for godliness. All of life. Would you say that with me? All of life becomes the laboratory for godliness. And what God is saying here is don't think and be deceived that two hours at the Pentecostal International Worship Center is going to be enough to indoctrinate your kids into life. You need, they need to see it in everyday life. I hated the day when my girls started driving themselves to school because I enjoyed that time with them. My youngest daughter, very, very sensitive. If I handed her the microphone today, she could preach. She could preach. She can preach in such a way that you will say, yes, ma'am, after she finishes. She's 18 years old. She's had that gift for a long time. But you put her in front of her peers, another six or seven, eight, Girls her age, she melts. She melts. Doesn't have anything to say. Feels terrible about herself. Feels like she's absolutely useless. How'd school go today, bud? How'd school go today? Didn't go very good. What happened? She said, Dad, I just feel invisible. I walk into a group, a table in the cafeteria to sit down and eat and nobody ever acknowledges me and they're always saying hey to other people around me. She feels invisible. She's got a dad that's driving that's a pastor and a missionary and I've got a moment right now with my daughter. Buddy, can I tell you something? You're an eagle. You're not a prairie chicken. You're an eagle. You're not a rooster. God made you to fly. God made you to soar. God put something inside of you that's unique. It's special. God put a gift inside of you. And when he uses you, you are an eagle like I've never seen before. Do not let chickens somehow pull you in to their roost because God has made you to be an eagle. Did she ask for that? 
Did she say, Dad, would you please preach me a sermon right now? No. It was in the context of life where an issue came up and Dad could speak into her heart. And I miss those moments. I miss those moments. I miss those moments. Four distinctives, a distinctive God, a distinctive relationship, a distinctive what? Responsibility and a distinctive pattern. All right? The one thing that your home must produce over the context of the 18 years that you have a child in your home is this. If you haven't written anything down yet, write this down in your notes. The priority of a godly home, the priority of a gospel house, the priority of a a Jesus home is the primary responsibility that you have as a mom and dad is to introduce Jesus Christ to your children. To introduce them to Christ, to nourish them in Christ, to grow them in Christ, to teach them how to read the Word of God, to teach them to fall in love with the Word of God, to teach them to introduce other people into the presence of the Lord, to help them to understand the grace of Jesus Christ, to help them understand that that none of us are perfect and it's only in a relationship with Jesus where forgiveness is there that the grace of Jesus Christ can be applied to your life. Sociology says this, that our children reproduce what was modeled in front of them. Sociology says that if I want my children to become godly, then the onus of responsibility upon my wife and I is to model in front of the kids what a relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. Amen for that? But I want to tell you this, none of us are perfect. We're profoundly imperfect. You hear how loud I am? My wife married a a very loud man. And when I get angry, can you imagine? One of the most powerful examples in our home of the love of Jesus Christ has been when I've had to apologize to my children in front of their mother from something that I've done to their mom by getting angry and by getting loud. They've been able to see the love of the Lord Jesus Christ not just because of what they've heard in the pages of Scripture, but because of the failure of their dad, acknowledging that in the presence of the Lord and among them that I've done wrong. And so now their hearts, their hearts to embrace Jesus has been modeled as a natural way of doing that because something was in their home that pictured the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Church, are you hearing me today? It is impossible for any of us to raise godly kids on our own. The only hope that we have is in the power of Christ in us that is living and active that helps along the way to model the person and the power and the presence of God. Joshua 24, 15. Anybody know it? Joshua 24, 15. Anybody know it? It's a great verse for our day and age. Joshua was a a very wise preacher. Joshua knew that the culture that they lived in had many gods. So Joshua said this. He said, yes, choose for you this day whom you will serve. You will serve the one true God, or you will baptize and bow your hearts to many false gods. But here's what he says. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It might just be that today is one of those days that 
God is speaking to you in such a way that we need to redefine as a family what our family is all about. I'm going to pray for us right now. I'm going to take this entire church right now, and we're going to lift up our families into the presence of the Lord right now. For those of you that do have children in your home, can I just see a, a show of hands? You're an active parent right now. You are on call right now. That's what you mean. All right. Can I see a show of hands of, of maybe some teenagers or some 20-somethings that are wanting to get married and, and create a godly home in the future? Can I see a show of hands right there? Just a quick word for those that are raising your hands. It's very difficult to raise a godly home if you don't marry a godly mate. So as you're thinking about who you're going to marry into the future, priority number one is not his attractiveness and it's not her sweetness. Priority number one is you envision your future with somebody else. Priority number one is this man running faster than I am to the presence of the Lord. Is this woman, does she love God more than I do? Because I want to have a home and it's not going to happen unless I marry somebody that I'm yoked together in the heart with. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray over you, and then I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to come forward if today you are making a commitment to have a Joshua 24:15 home. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will be a family where the, the distinctiveness is clear. We will be a family where the gospel is preached, but the gospel is lived. We will be a family that lives for something beyond ourselves. We'll be a family where the temperature and the thermostat has a high value on the presence of God. We will be a family where the men in that home talk about their relationship with Christ in front of their kids so that their kids can understand that dad is a spiritual being as well. Are you with me? Let's join hands, and if God moves you to have a Joshua 24, 15 family, may he do so. Father, um, we are people of flesh. We are people of clay, but the Bible tells us that the power of God in the book of Ezekiel is that in the book of Ezekiel, God began to align the dry bones, and as he began to align the dry bones, and as he began to align the mud and the clay, out of the, the dry bones and out of the mud of clay, the presence and power of God put together a spiritual being out of a natural man, a spiritual being resulted. So every one of us that knows Jesus in this room, we are a walking miracle of the power of God to bring death to life. God, we want to be very clear today that, that life doesn't happen by coming to church. Life doesn't happen because your mom and dad are believers. Life doesn't happen because you're a member of this church. Spiritual life happens because the living reality of the presence of God begins to invade your life through salvation in Jesus and Jesus alone. And Lord, there might just be somebody in here that's playing religion. There might be somebody here today that somehow thinks that they're a pretty good person because they're not as bad as the next person. There might be somebody in here today that, that thinks if they had to get on the scales of godliness that, hey, 75% is pretty good. God says, for all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. God, for every person here today, I, I pray, Lord, that all of us would acknowledge that our life becomes alive to God when God becomes alive in us. And that life begins when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior 
My spiritual life is not dependent upon my performance. My spiritual life is not dependent upon my church attendance. My spiritual life is 100% exclusively dominated by the fact that Jesus Christ saved me from my death so that I might live by what he accomplished on the cross. And maybe today there's one or two or five or 20 of you that have never trusted in Jesus that way. You're religious. You smell good on the outside. But deep down inside, there's a decay in your heart because you've never had the Lord be the one that comes and cleans up that decay. So, Lord, first priority of business today is just uh, for those of you that don't know Christ, maybe it's your chance right now to just say, Christ, I need you as my Savior. I don't need you as, uh, as my religion expert. I don't need you as a moral teacher. Christ, I need you to come and dominate my life. I've been playing with you. I've been fooling you and fooling me. But God, today I I need you to come into my life and I accept you as my Savior by what you did on the cross. That's the reckless love of God. It's not the words of the song. It's not the melody which we love. It's the power of a God who went to the cross to forgive us so that we might be rightly related to you. And if that's you today, I cannot tell you the joy that's going to come into your life, the freedom that you will begin to experience right now as the burden of your past is relieved and the shame of your past is relieved and the hurt of your past is relieved because of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. If that's you, if that's you today, we pray that that's you today. God, we've spoken on the power of the family and God, your basic primary smallest unit of discipleship is the home. It's the home. If you're here today and the Spirit of God has convicted you, If you're here today and the Spirit of God has placed it upon your heart that we need to bring some change to our home, maybe today's the day that you make a commitment, a Joshua 24, 15 commitment. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If that's your heart today, if it's your heart today to begin to bring change in your home, if it's your heart today to say, God, I'm going to stop dating those that do not know the Lord because I want to have a gospel home, I want to have a Jesus home, I want to have a kingdom change, a change agent home in the future, and I can't marry some dude that doesn't know the Lord, maybe today is your day to commit your heart to a Joshua 24:15 commitment. Wherever you are, if you are yet to receive him, I want you to lift up your right hand wherever you are. Today... You want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says, the wages of sin is dead, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. As many as receive him, those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Today, you want to be a child of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Who amongst us who wants to receive this free gift of eternal life? We are committed to presenting Jesus to you so you can have a new life unto yourself. Who on the social media wants to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? I want to pray. You can say these words after me wherever you are. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and cannot save myself. I believe you died for me. And so today, I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. I will serve you all the days of my life.
So help me God. Amen and amen. Are you looking to find a place of worship where there is relevant teaching, heartfelt worship, passion and action toward the unsaved, constant prayer, compassionate care for the needy, and earnest Christ-centered relationships? Then join us fellowship at the PIWC Dome at the Accra Technical Training Center, ATTC Kokomlimli Accra. Join our Miracle Dawn service every Wednesday, 5.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. and our Friday prayer meeting, dubbed Cry Out, from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. For more information, contact us on 0502-444-814. You can also visit our website at piwcacra.org to know more. And let's get interactive on all social media platforms at PIWC Accra. Thank you. Until next time, we pray that you would reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace. You are blessed.